foreign influence, terrorism, possible intervention. Protests on a weekly basis and clashes with police. That's become the new reality in Hong Kong. Demonstrators of all ages with their children, despite thousands of arrests, some 10,000 rounds of tear gas fired by the police over the last six months. We are now here to fight for our freedom and most importantly to fight for our future. After over a year of demonstrations, there seems to be no evidence of dying down at all. These protests have caused countless issues thought buried to rise from the pits, and now many are left asking, how did all of this happen? This question is exactly what I'll be answering in this new podcast. Hi, my name is Mohammed Hassan, here in my garage, and this is Hong Kong Highwire. In this third episode of Hong Kong Highwire, we'll be scrutinizing one of the greatest of travesties to be committed against the Hong Kong protesters, as well as the citizens. We'll be discussing the news coverage involving all aspects of the protests. Start with the local coverage, meaning Chinese or Asian-based, and from there, I'll be talking about how the protesters are portrayed in Chinese news outlets and media, as well as how the Chinese citizenry have reacted to these portrayals, after which we'll take a more global view, by which I mean, of course, focusing upon how the global population has reacted to the protests. And to close us off, I'll be scrutinizing the lack of, or I suppose, the lessening of the news coverage. Ever since the protests have been raging on, each one different in its own right has just been ebbing and flowing in intensity and ferocity. There has seemed to be one pesky, ever-present issue that I've found to pop up every time, and that is, quite simply, how they've been portrayed. Not just in America, but in Asia as well, especially where it really matters, and that's China. You see, in Chinese state media, the protests, the majority of which have, contrary to popular belief, been peaceful. Yet, of course, they're described as nothing more than illegal riots. Everyday state coverage of the protests shows footage of protesters throwing objects, verbally abusing law enforcement, and, of course, besieging police stations. Citizens are fed nothing but this. The protests are described as pretty close to terrorism while the protesters themselves have been called thugs and, of course, radicals, whose sole goal is to seek the toppling of the entire country through their selfish and violent riots for independence. And, of course, where would a controlling communist government that censors news, lies, and assassinates its own citizens for thinking differently, or thinking at all, be without blaming someone else? In this case, it's another country's fault. It's America's fault. The protesters are said to have been basically lured in by foreign influences to riot and protest. Chinese leaders have taken to outright accusing America and even other countries as the shadow masters of the protests, sitting as puppet masters in the dark, causing the country's problems. The state media, which honestly didn't even begin to be so open-voiced about what their version of events were up until recently, have begun to feed the people this propaganda, and they've just lapped it up. This paradigm shift from utter silence and just average propaganda to a maddening cacophony of loud blame, twisting, and distortion of the truth, and a firing up of the hot presses and shooting out of these false stories like hotcakes can quite unfortunately and honestly mean only one thing. 
to prepare the public for more drastic action taken by Beijing or the Hong Kong government toward the protesters, as well as a chance to push China's view of the events and further convince the public to appeal to them. The state media has seen this as perhaps an absolute once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to twist the truth, as most of the protests have been peaceful. The ones such as the legislative building vandalism and the one where the woman was hit in the eye by an officer and the other few, those events have been perversed by the state media and the authorities to fit their agendas. And quite unfortunately, it seems to be really working out. As Weibo, I think I'm pronouncing that right, it's ba Weibo is basically the Chinese uh, Twitter, had more than one million comments on a single post by the People's Daily, which is the Communist Party's personal newspaper, which stated, Protect Hong Kong. Firmly say no to violence. Now, most of these comments were in staunch support of pro-China policies, and many were even calling for much more extreme measures, some saying that these protesters should be, and I unfortunately quote, beaten to death, end quote. And as previously mentioned, the blaming that the state government decided to do also stuck, as Many Chinese citizens were led to believe that there truly are outside influences causing the disarray, which was actually mocked by many of the um, protesters as, well, malarkey. As the censors are very hardworking ladies and gentle communists, few Chinese residents are clear on why the protests are even happening at all. They just don't know. Many of them outwardly stating that they don't know of the deeper reason. They just know that the people should be united and patriotic, which is a pretty simple regurgitation of the censors. That's what they want the citizens to know and say, and the citizens are going to say exactly that. Like I just said, many blame the protests on a lack of patriotism and unity. You see, the younger gen... Like I said, many blame the protests on a lack of patriotism and unity. You see, the younger generation of China blames the Hong Kong education system, claiming that it lacks the teaching of true patriotism, something that the Hong Kong lack. Like I just said, many blame the... Like I just said, many... Like I just said, many blame the protests on a lack of patriotism and unity. You see, the younger generation of China blames the Hong Kong education system, claiming that it lacks the teaching of true patriotism, something that Hong Kong lacks severely in their eyes. From the viewpoints of the Chinese citizens, all these protesters are doing is causing needless and pointless chaos. To them, it's just something that must end if there is to be peace. You see, to them, that kind of expression of freedom and speech and belief is basically unheard of. Maybe that's the assassination speaking, who knows. But that's a rare sight in China. And so it's as if they don't understand it. And as history has shown us time and time again, we humans do a pretty good job hating things we don't understand. And we do it even better when the ones we believe are protecting us are telling us to do it. And so, to that end, China state media has done nothing but perpetuate the worst of things to happen while obscuring the good ones, which seems to be a recurring topic. 
This perpetuation, especially through the means that appeal to the younger audiences, specifically targets China's youth. Through their programs, like the Communist Youth League, they engulf their youth in this propaganda that's meant to deepen their belief and patriotism. Because there's nothing in the world the Chinese leadership needs more than to convince the younger generation to follow in their footsteps. Now, in spite of the supremacy of China's state media's claims, promises, and lies, some citizens have decided to take it upon themselves to actually fact-check China. They've taken to looking up these oh-so-popular articles and scrutinizing them heavily so as to provide a, uh, a more, uh, you know, actually truthful picture of the situation and issue. An actual example of this is when they disproved a claim that the Hong Kong protesters decided to go the route of torturing a police officer by breaking his fingers with a plier, which, as they proved, was entirely and utterly false. You see, there's this thing called China's Great Firewall. Get it? It's like a great wall, but it's a firewall because it's technological in nature. Uh, this firewall is what allows China to keep things the way they are in China. By what I mean keep things is the people unaware as to what's truly going on around them in the outside world. And it's that exact thing that served as a boon in China's war against information and the truth being brought to their people. There was actually a peaceful demonstration at China's Hong Kong airport in which protesters only wanted to do one peaceful thing, explain to the arriving passengers why they were doing what they're doing. By that I mean protesting. And many of the arriving passengers happened to be from China, the mainland. Now, the Chinese media was able to twist and distort this event with a video of the few, with a few of the protesters harassing an elderly gentleman who had snatched a poster out of one of their hands. But now you see, it's China, so they weren't exactly going to show that part. The Chinese media managed to twist it in a way by showing only the video of the protesters confronting the elderly man for his actions, ganging up on him, while stating that their behavior was utterly and entirely deplorable. Now, they did all of that without mentioning the fact that the protesters were antagonized by the old man snatching the, the poster out of their hand, which started as something peaceful, ending like that. And the Chinese media, well, that was a field day for them. So, the basic gist of it is that it's nigh on impossible for the average inundated Chinese civilian to actually know the truth, what the government has hidden from them. Now, I want to move on to more of the international portrayal, specifically America, being as I live here. And I'm assuming that the vast swaths of my listeners, all five of them, also live here. I know all five of you will be surprised to hear this, but much like China, America too hasn't entirely portrayed these demonstrations or protests in the truest of light. Or, well, I suppose they simply didn't bother to. Yet, a lie of omission is still a lie, and America is guilty of it. Now, perhaps not as severely guilty as China, but in such a situation, the difference does carry weight. Because, you see, 
I've asked a pretty large amount of my friends, family, and classmates about their thoughts on the matter. The matter being the protest, and I've gotta say, I am just so proud to admit that 25% of the people I asked knew what I was talking about. And of that 25%, just barely half knew where the Hong Kong protests were even taking place, as in Hong Kong. They did not know where Hong Kong was on a map, which means three out of the 20 people I asked knew where Hong Kong was. I made sure to ask people of varying ages, genders, ethnicities, and the like to at least try to ensure that there was some variety and truth to my little survey. And honestly, the numbers disappointed me. Actually, something else I noticed in the news and the people I asked was that they all didn't actually know that a fair bit of the protests were actually peaceful in nature. Yes, violence does exist. I'll be the first to admit that. But I'll also be the first to admit that without a peaceful first step, change won't be achieved. And I've noticed that this is a sentiment that many of the protesters have shared, as many of the recent protests and demonstrations have been peaceful in nature, much like the previously mentioned one in the airport. And that at least many of the previous ones have successfully been tranquil or quiet, as people have been attempting to pay their respects to those who've lost their lives and to pay their respects to and carry on what these fallen believed in. And it's that which countless media sources have yet to portray to the public. The, the protesters have already tried the violent way. They found it to not be very sustainable. And now a large majority have turned to peaceful marches and words chock full of conviction. All that remains is a loud minority of violence. Of over 300 political movements, only around 20% of violent ones succeeded, whereas over 50% of nonviolent movements were successful. Now, according to a study of civil resistance by um, Erica Chenoweth and Maria Stefan, they studied the political movements involving at least a thousand, I believe, people, each from uh, the 1900s to uh, all the way up to 2006 and deemed that a movement is successful if the demonstrators achieve their goal within a year from their peak event. The media portrayal of Hong Kong didn't add up with the city life many journalists ended up witnessing. Many of them saw tranquil streets, not loud mobs with pitchforks and torches. These social platforms and international media outlets that have provided clashing perspectives about the intensity of the protests and danger and people which in turn served to confuse basically countless millions in the process with lies and omissions, did nothing but harm. Hong Kong, Chinese, and American news media all had separate forecasting events of this situation, and funnily enough, not a one of them were 100% right, or even 80%, and that's being generous. Actually, Another example of the global sentiment of the protests could be found in the recent events in Australia. You see, there's a pretty large number of Chinese and Chinese uh, Australian students who live in Australia. 
and they've been divided by the protests. Not by each other respectively, but by themselves, as many Chinese students side with either China or with Hong Kong, and the same can be said for the Chinese-Australian students who side with Hong Kong, while some side with China. It's this fault, this divide between them, that's caused even more tension to build. But it's not just this tension. It's also begun to build between the Asian student community as a whole and the Australian students. Many who have begun treating their Asian classmates as agents of Chinese influence. Yes, as agents of Chinese influence. As Australia has found itself relying on China more and more as the years go on, financially, I mean, which spells out a lot of trouble, as there are countless alleged cases of corruption and bribing, which have gotten to the point that a special force had been created to investigate just that kind of corruption and bribing. It's these vicious rumors that have led to these even larger divides and gashes between Australian citizens, both of Chinese descent and those of not. And honestly, I'm not sure where things will go at this point in time, but one can only hope that cooler heads will prevail. An even deeper divide can be found within Hong Kong itself. By this, I mean the divide between not only the pro-democracy protests and demonstrators and the pro-China protests and demonstrators, but between each of those factions within themselves. You see, in each there seems to be a sort of struggle between the violent and the peaceful. There is, of course, the peaceful faction of protesters who simply walk with dedication and conviction and refrain from chaos and mayhem. Then, of course, there's the violent protesters who vandalize and explode into chaos and mayhem. This can be said for both sides, unfortunately. Actually, that, that reminds me of uh, a propaganda video cooked up by the chefs at the state government. Uh, this one event was captured on video where a bunch of white-clad men attacked a group of uh, people within the metro, I believe, of Hong Kong, where um, a pregnant woman was injured. Young people were injured, and the elderly were also injured. Children. And these, this video was played in China, and the government called these people true patriots. People who injured a pregnant woman. I, these were the heroes of communist China. Now I have finally arrived at my last issue. The utter lack of awareness and media portrayal that can be found on the internet or wherever about the protests. If I hadn't gone specifically digging for information on Hong Kong and China and protests and countless other things, I'm not only confident in, but I'm quite sure that I wouldn't see anything on the matter, as it's been quite some time since I've actually heard anyone actually mention the protests, even within my own family. And they hear me talking about it every week, yet even they don't even offer much in the way of knowledge. I found that it's almost as if people have come to fear talking about it. I remember just a few months ago, I couldn't go more than a couple days on the internet without hearing at the very least a whisper for the independence of Hong Kong 
people would ascribe it to even America's independence and how we should always support them for venturing for something like this. But not now, no. Now I hear absolutely nothing. Much like other controversial topics and events, they just seem to fade from the public's view until something else major happens. And I certainly hope that the next major event isn't one that leaves us mourning the losses of anything. Because that's where the true tragedy would lie. And so, that wraps up the third episode of Hong Kong Highwire. Sorry to leave off on that somber note, but I thank you for taking the time to listen. I have been Mohamed Hassan, here in my garage.